0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Passports and Poets, which is one of the exciting new things we have to talk to you about. I know it's been a while since we've been with you, but we're going to tell you why, because some really cool things have been happening. I am your co-host, Dr. Chick Morgan, the cowgirl Ph.D., along with
1: Rodney Bursil,
0: the photographer-in-chief. He hasn't learned it yet, folks, after a year. Well, you've,
1: you've always said it, so I'm just going to let you do it. That's why we
0: work in teams. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're very excited to have as our guest today, Mr. Sir, Pat O'Brien, <laughs> who we're going to be doing a little bit better introduction in just a few minutes. But we would like to tell you and begin with some of the changes that have been going on and why we have been on a self-imposed hiatus. We we? should have told our fans before we went on the hiatus, (laughs) but we didn't know it was going to be a hiatus. (laughs) I don't think we knew we were
1: doing one.
0: (laughs) Yes, here we go. So the first one is we've decided to do a little bit of change to our name, not to the content, not to what we're doing, but now we are Passports and Poets because we've been talking to so many fascinating musicians and musicians who travel and of course, they have been traveling too much in the last yeah. year, have they, Rodney?
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's I think that's why it's changed, because it was originally, it was, when it was Passports right. Please, that it was, was supposed to be about travel. Yeah, and who,
0: who starts a podcast <laughs> here about travel in a pandemic shutdown? We do, Rodney. Wasn't that fun? Um, but the second piece of really big news is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Rodney Burseille, has opened his own gallery and it's called
1: base camp. It's
0: Well, it's yeah. Rodney Burseal. Well, but that's base camp.
1: <laughs> base camp gallery. Well, and wine bar and beer oh, bar and gift oh, shop.
2: We were getting to
0: that. <laughs> but that was cheaply. too long of a name. <laughs> <laughs> and live music. And and this is all in Wimberley, Texas, mm-hmm. which we're excited that first of all that you have this gallery, which is absolutely wonderful. And those of us that are locals are so excited <laughs> that it's in Wimberley. Mm-hmm. And some of us have already become regulars, right, Pat?
3: <laughs> Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it from the pro. Um, and the third thing is we are coming to you today live for the first time from our new studio in Wimberley, Texas, I don't know. What do you think? River Mountain Studio? Maybe we should have a name contest or something. Yeah,
1: well, let's, let's, let's leave that that.
0: open for now, but we're very excited and. So as always, be in our forgiving audience if there are a few glitches. <laughs> Brock is <has> already, I <laughs> himself already here today to get us on the air to you.
1: Yeah, we are an hour and a half late getting started today oh, because of glitches. But who's <laughs>
0: counting? Who's counting? If it weren't for Brock, we'd we'd be even more than that. we would have
1: given up and gone home and done it tomorrow.
0: <laughs> oh, just pour the wine running. You know, we'll get over it. <laughs> Actually, it's the uh, River Mountain Studio and Wine Bar. <laughs> Well, we're going to hear more about the gallery because you've been thinking about that for a long time, haven't you? Well,
1: you know, it's it's funny, yeah. It's it's one of those projects that, and Pat, um, Pat, and I probably talked about this at many times at four in the morning, drinking drinking wine, and it's like I want to open a gallery, but it's one of those things that will That's what never every photographer <laughs> says, yeah, right? And yeah, and it, and it'll never happen. It's just mm. you just talk about these things, yeah, and. um but you know, my good friend Pauline Pace, she she works with the lady that owns this house just off the square, and the previous tenants had left, and she had gone in there to go start getting it ready to present it for you know to get it on the market and rent it. And of course, the way the market is here now, it's it would have it would have been gone <laughs> it's stupid, instantly, crazy
0: hot, yeah.
1: So you know, of course, you know, I've had this conversation you know with her and her husband Chad. And you know, same thing, just many nights sitting around yeah. talking and you know, it'd be oh, nice let's, someday. Let's, let's do yeah. a gallery, it'd be fun. Oh
0: yeah, let's do a gallery. It's a show kid.
1: Knowing <laughs> good and well that it'll never happen. And but she was over there and she called and she's like, Rodney, you might want to come look at this place. Oh, dangerous words. So I, I walked in and I think we signed the lease maybe three days later. Oh, wow and no business no business plan oh good for n- no, you nothing rodney. we just <laughs> signed a lease wrote the check and way to
0: go rodney <laughs> bought some paint <laughs> oh paint's important yeah
1: and yeah now somehow we've got this oh um,
0: and for those of you that are anywhere near the Wembley area it is all kidding aside it is exquisite um it is just, it has become the place in Wimberley like almost overnight because of the ambiance and the gorgeous photographs and how it's set up and a fabulous wine bar, right, Pat?
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'm nodding my head. Yeah. <laughs> this is a podcast. The nod's just not going to work. Grip, Pat. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the big comfy chairs out under the trees, oh, yeah. within wine grabbing distance. Yes.
0: It's and the teepee. The teepee? Rodney has his own teepee and the fact that it's called base camp and your fabulous photos around the world, which has been wonderful for our podcast because you couldn't go anywhere. No, <laughs> I guess couldn't go anywhere. Well, that's you, changing. But
1: you know, what's, what's funny is with, I mean, we've, I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but we've kind of accepted this and it was mm-hmm. a nice reprieve to just not do anything. And I was good with it, and it was the day we opened the doors for the gallery, and it's done, and all the photos are up, and I'm looking around, and I'm going, I got to get back to this.
2: Yeah,
1: It it just, so now, now I'm just, yeah, Yeah. for a year and a half, I was, I was essentially fine with it, but now I'm just, I'm, I'm going nuts. I've got to.
0: So this is a good time to let our listeners know that sometime in the next couple of months, we're going to be doing some remotes with Rodney. In some pretty exciting places once Bach helps us figure out the technology. Yeah,
1: figure, figure out how to take this board with me. Yeah, right. But we'll,
0: we'll worry about that later. But I think that's going to just be a very exciting next chapter in what we're doing to have you live. If you don't get stomped on by an elephant or eaten by a crocodile, it'll just be, well, that would be a good show, wouldn't it? Well, you know, that's
1: that's another thing we're talking about is the there's the the saying about all the only artists or rich artists are the ones that are dead. <laughs> So I we, didn't know that. So, scene,
0: what, uh, Is it a saying among photographers what or what? <laughs> no, all, all
1: artists. I mean, all, look at all you know the. We
0: were we were talking about that early, kind of. So
1: yeah, you know. you're, if you're alive, you're not going to make any money. It's when you're dead oh. that's when everybody wants your stuff. So you know we've we've created this storyline. It's going to be the 99 deaths of Rodney Burseel, and it's going to be how I die of these horrific deaths on all my trips and. Somehow I come back.
0: <laughs> is that our next podcast, Rodney? Or uh, is that our next ninety-nine episode? Uh, that could be fun. <laughs> that could be real fun. At least I'm not the one doing the dying. All oh, right. God, what okay. if we yeah, it,
1: okay. okay. We we haven't bought the domain domain name yet. So oh,
0: get on you, know, you do the iPad while I'm introducing so, the podcast. I think it should be the ninety-nine deaths, of Rodney Mercy. It Who, sounds what? like, well, who's the guy in the mirror? Yeah. Um, the guy that aged, you know. I'm sure everybody... Benjamin Button.
2: Oh, <laughs>
0: before that. Dorian the re- Gray. Yes. Thank you. That's why we invited you, Pat. Yeah. So Pat has been sitting very patiently, actually, for a good while now till we <laughs> yeah. literally got our act together in the new studio. I would like to start the introduction, and then Rodney, you can pick it up, because you've known this fine gentleman for a while.
1: Half, half my life.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't look that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, our very special guest today is Pat O'Brien. That's O'Brien with a Y. And I would like to say I first met <laughs> Pat O'Brien, in like fact, the only other times we've met until today, in Ronnie Brazil's base camp gallery and wine bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all did just meet, didn't you?
0: We did. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, I come home and I Google him and I'm going, oh, my God, I have to really talk to this guy. And then, he and his wife came in. But Pat, I mean, when you go on Pat O'Brien, B-R-Y-A-N dot com, and you when I began to read about this man's accomplishments in history and checkered life and there's no category that you that's a good thing pat he's kind of his eyes are getting big across the table here but uh there's
4: i'm thinking statute of limitations
0: (laughs) 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 they just ran out and you are in big trouble but just for starters um he's a musician and he's he's left a big footprint in a lot of musical worlds from blues to electronic music which That's a whole interesting story. I hope you'll share with us how you got into that. Uh, Texas, Western Swing, um, music producing, and you produced like 100 albums of other artists and your own, plus this huge footprint in Europe, and you're touring over there. So there's a lot um, that we want to talk about with you. And frankly, I'm not quite sure where to begin. I mean, I know what attracted, not attracted me, but intrigued me when we first met. First thing you said was, well, I live in Terlingua. I mean, if you're anywhere near Texas or in Texas, and you hear those words, it's like a magnet, like, I want to know you. I've never actually met anybody who lived in Terlingua. So with all of this musical background, how did you two meet, honey, back when he was an infant? Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it's, um, I guess it was just mutual friends, I think. um I had, Real long story short, it was a friend of ours, Elizabeth Lee. I, it was who you th- worked
0: th- a lot with, right? Yeah, and
1: <laughs> I in um, through th- th- another mutual He's nodding, friend, folks. He hasn't yeah, got
4: yeah. the podcast <laughs> thing
0: yet.
1: Yeah. Well, y- y'all are doing great.
4: Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> we'll let you talk in a minute, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm good.
4: <laughs> no, but
1: I I was asked to do this photo shoot for Elizabeth, and we just became friends, and. <clears throat> Pat, I, I I guess I don't really know the whole story. How long you've been with them and playing with them, or how did, How long have you did you know Elizabeth and Larry and all those guys before I came into the picture?
4: Well, I'm not sure of the year I met Elizabeth in '98. So, what year did you come along? <laughs>
1: well, that was that. Uh, you must not have known her much longer then, because that's about when it was, I think.
4: I'm nodding my head. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you signals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it all happened pretty much at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah, just a bunch of mutual friends in a small town. You know, 25 yeah. years ago, there wow. were there weren't a whole lot of people here, so everybody <laughs> knew everybody, and everybody and, was a musician or an <laughs> yeah. artist or
0: something, which is wonderful. Uh, well, you know, Rodney, as I was reading about Pat and thinking about Pat and some of the comments you've made and things that you've written. It occurred to me that almost everyone we have interviewed on the show, there's a common theme that runs through, whether they're a musician, artist, shark hunter, is at some point everybody says, Well, I never really started out to be this, or I never really had a career plan. You started very young at eight Mm -hmm. and 10, but you didn't have a real career plan. So how'd you go? Well, it's getting a little late for one, but maybe not. So how did you go from being an 8-year-old on a piano and a 10-year-old on a guitar to this incredible, I use the word loosely and and mean it sincerely, career that you've had in this massive art world? Well, girls. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Moving
2: on. (coughs) Our next guest is...
4: (laughs) I mean, I can always play. You know, took piano lessons, guitar <laughs> lessons. But I noticed that the guys who were in bands were getting the attention. God, that's of, so trite. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, I, I think if you were to talk to a lot of musicians and ask them that question, if they're honest, I mean, you have your, your – um, your outliers, your weirdos like Stevie Ray Vaughn or Pat Matheny that live to play guitar. Eric Johnson's probably another. Oh,
0: Billy Gibbons, you said, always wanted to
4: be a rock star. He he did, but
1: I he, I think he liked both. Okay. So. <laughs> well, <there's laughs> Sorry, a, I didn't mean to interrupt,
0: but there, I did. There's a
4: difference between being a rock star and being an artist. You know, and, and like there's stories of Stevie Ray going to bed, falling asleep, playing guitar. That's not me. No. Um, and it's just probably coincidence that hormones kick in at just about the same time as this This is happening. So I got in a band. And um, by the time I was 16, I'm playing up and down Spencer Highway in Houston, you know, playing bars.
0: What about school? Did you just forget about school for a while? Or?
4: Um, to the extent I was able to. I mean, I dropped out my senior year. Which is deceptive because I later went four years at North Texas State, two years at UT, and got a degree in accounting from Sam Houston State University.
0: You don't put that on your bio.
4: I'm not real <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a right angle
0: career term for sure. Well, usually it works the other way around. You go, you start out in accounting and then you become a musician. Yeah, guess, isn't
1: that what the movie or the, or, uh, what, yeah, moving sidewalks. Aren't they all like attorneys and you know, it's just insurance salesmen now?
4: <laughs> right. Well, you know, I became a single father. And I'm like, I need to support this kid. And I was a successful bank auditor and governmental auditor in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Where I grew up. For about two years. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to commit suicide. This is mm-hmm. no way to live your life and went back but
0: there are many happy accountants out there in our audience i think we don't want it you know okay
4: accountants and dentists. i mean yes anyway so that's you know the answer to your question is hormones girls and then the um the feedback you get Mm. you know when i was young that um you know you play to a room full of people and it's like they're clapping for you and that artificial adulation is addictive.
0: Why do you call it artificial?
4: Because they don't know you. It is artificial. Mm. And I owe the decline of my career to a therapist. <laughs> it's, all, it's all her fault.
0: Well, give us the advice she gave you yeah. so none of us will follow it.
4: <laughs> well, I you was know, saying, hey, I need to go back tour Europe. They, they mm. love me, they're waiting for me. Mm. And she's like, they don't know you. you know, this is not real, this is not love. You know, this is some sort of adulation.
0: Well, I guess we're done. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Well, well, I'm still. But you kept doing it.
4: I'm still addicted to it. Yeah, I'm I'm that shallow.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
4: I mean, if they're going to listen to me, I'll keep making music.
0: And a lot of people are listening to you. I mean, one of the things I'm always intrigued by is how artists develop such a standing and a, a, a fan base or whatever you might want to call it in a place like all over Europe. You have big ties with Italy and you have big ties with Germany. So how does a Texas boy who was going up and down the Spencer Avenue in Houston and doing the things that you've done, how, what's the leap to that? I mean, you are an international name.
1: But, but he'll never accept that. Of course not. <laughs> well, <it's>
4: Rodney, <laughs> he's an international name. You know? My name is famous, yes. The rest of me, not, not so much. Um, I put out an album in 1998 called Of Trains and Angels, and it's nowhere near as pretentious as it sounds. Mm. And I gathered in every favor I could call. Keith Carper from Chris Christopherson's band mm. and Hal Ketchum's band was on bass. Mm. Stephen Bruton.
1: David. Wow. I've got his CDs, oh yeah. <laughs> and
4: David Grissom played on some of it. Jules Alexander from the Association. Yes, he lives here in Wimberley. Is he here now? I yes. He was in San Marcos last time.
0: No, he lives right over here Good. in one of our neighborhoods down here. There was a big article about him in the Wimberley View.
4: How could year. I have missed that? A two-part that. article. And, and that'll tell you how... You yeah. are interlingua. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> That's right, you are interlingua. Anyway, we're going to talk about that in a minute because that's awesome, but... Yeah, he's he's probably, you could throw a rock, you know, at his house. Not that he'd want you to, but...
4: I would never throw a rock <clears> at Jules' house. It's a no. metaphor.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know he was here. That's the wonderful thing about this part of Texas, It's just these amazing musicians and other artists that just live their lives here, you know? Okay, so Jules was, you recruited
4: him. So we made a really good record, and I wrote all the songs, and... Um, you know, it came out, and I'm playing Green Hall and places like that. And I'm surfing the primitive net we had back then. And I discovered that a German label has stolen one of my songs and put it on a compilation album. So I went to uh, the Texas Music Office. Casey Monahan at that time was running it. And I said, what can I do? And he was very active, found me an attorney in Berlin, And um, we sued the label. And while that's going on, we previously mentioned Elizabeth Lee. She's been touring over there since 89 or whatever. I mean, she jumped over the wall the minute it was down. Mm. And she and her uh, ex-husband, Larry.
0: That's the Berlin Wall
4: for you youngsters. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she introduced me to her agent, who lives in Gotha, Germany. So... um, I'm on tour, we're suing the record company. The record company asked me to come talk to them, and I do, and they decide giving me a uh, five CD record deal might be more fun. <laughs> in lieu of paying you? Or? In, it, well, it,
0: <laughs> in, other, in other ways? Or?
4: Well, it, they rather than me sue them, it's like well, let's work together. Wow. And they have yet to pay me my first royalty check, but they had excellent distribution, hmm. and that back then, there were record stores and CD stores, mm. and they penetrated hard. Um, I remember going into the HMV, which is the big one in London, and they had my whole catalog. Wow. What's I'm,
0: that like to be in London, go into a store that size, and all of a sudden your
4: whole musical life's work is right there? Well, I had just been robbed. So it, it okay, was Okay, There's of the, a segue here, yeah, I assume. But. I, it, was, it was funny. Rodney, I, you know that feeling, yeah, yeah. right? You don't expect me to be linear. Oh, we prefer R- nonlinear. Rodney knows me better than that. <laughs> it, it, anyway, the the better feeling is when you walk up to a club or a concert that you're going to perform at. And you walk through the parking lot, and you see your CD on the dashboard of all the cars. Oh, wow! And you're like,
0: "That is great." This
4: may be an okay gig. Yeah. this may work out. Yeah. So, um, that's probably that, and then just constantly touring.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I only did it for about five years in Europe, but we penetrated pretty hard. We, you know, Germany a lot but also England all the way up to Scotland mm. Sweden Amsterdam <clears throat> we played a concert on an island between Sweden and Finland it's the most uh, exotic gig i've ever done wow so what kind of venue was it it was a resort and people came in boats that's the only way you could get oh, there wow. mm. <laughs> now
0: you t- when i was really researching you and listening to your music, you have a big blues following and you're identified very strongly with the blues. Is that how you would describe yourself primarily? And tell us about how you got to the blues part of it.
4: The blues. Um, The blues comes after the junior rock star years when I was uh, in a band with Van Wilkes and uh, we were called Fools. You were what? The band's name was Fools, okay. and it was aptly named. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we toured a Cheap Trick, Heart, CC Top, yesterday and today, April Wine, constantly on the road, never made a nickel. Mm-hmm. And, um, or a dime. Or a dime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, um, you know, I told you the story earlier off mic about how I came in after the Cheap Trick tour and said, where's my paycheck? And they said, paycheck? <laughs> You owe the band fifty dollars. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the world of a musician, touring yeah. <laughs> musician.
4: Rock and roll rules. Yeah. So anyway, I, I stuck with that as long as I could, and um, I could not sign my manager's contract. So I was not going to be on the Mercury phonogram record that Fools mm. made. By then, it was called Van Wilkes. It, no longer called Fools. So I was um, waiting tables which is how I supported myself through my rock and roll years, too, because never made any money any other way. My roommate— Basecamp is
1: hiring.
0: It,
4: it may get to that. Do you have your wine
0: serving license? I, I have my food service manager's license. Oh, me too. That's awesome.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, John Bertner and I were out. He's a, he was a bar manager at the Armadillo, and my roommate— Armadilla. Armadillo. And, world headquarters okay
0: for those that don't live in texas or are born under a rock or something so
4: which was a cool gig to play Mm, um we were out drinking but this is back when you could drink and drive in texas (laughs) and we went to the continental club and wc clark was playing and the band was great the keyboard player wasn't and i was drunk so i walked up to (laughs) wc and said your keyboard player sucks. (laughs) And WC is East Austin, very strong man. He says, you think you can do better? And I said, yes, sir. So he put me on at the beginning of the next set and I played that set. And at the end of that set, he fired his keyboard player and hired me.
1: (laughs) Was it his keyboard?
4: (laughs) No. (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Luckily, I still still had my gear from my other gig, (laughs) and um, I didn't know anything about blues. Mm. So, um, Mm. and really, you know, the state of Texas should should give WC some sort of compensation because he was basically running a graduate program hmm. teaching young white boys how to play the blues. Hmm. And Frosty was the drummer. Are you familiar with Frosty? Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He was in the Lee Michaels group. He played with Gilbert McClinton. He oh, was, okay. <laughs> uh, he's passed on now. He played a lot with Jimmy Vaughn. Yeah,
1: he played with hmm. Jimmy a lot. Hmm.
4: And <clears throat> was without a doubt the best drummer in Texas. Hmm. And um, I looked up to him. He was older than me. And he had been a rock star at the top level when I was in high school. You know, it's like, I'm playing with Frosty. So we were playing the backstage. It was my first real gig with WC. And WC's like, do it, do it, do it, and pointed at me, you know, and I'm supposed to play a lead. And I played some wimpy Rick Wakeman.
0: (laughs) Not
4: that there's anything wrong with him, for fans of Rick Lickman. Well, and I'm sure he could play blues, too, but yeah. I I played something maybe that would have fit on the Fragile album, and <laughs> Frosty looked at me, took a drumstick, and hit me in the back with it from across the stage. Nice feedback. <laughs> well, it, it's very Skinnerian, you know. Um, behavior modification yes. ensued Brilliant. I'm yes. not going to play that lick again <laughs> so I went home and you know, John and I put our record collections together and uh, you know got the Jimmy Smith out And um, over the course of the next two years WC taught me how to play the blues oh, wow. and um, at the same time I'm transitioning towards being a guitar player but I don't tell WC that and then the night he fired me was in an Antone's. <laughs> and at the end of the night, I had a lick in my head and I wanted to try it out. So I grabbed WC's guitar and I played a lick. And he came up to me and said, about time you had your own band, son.
2: Oh. And wow. Is
0: that why he fired you? That's why
4: he fired me. I touched his so guitar. So you'd go
0: out and get your own band?
4: That took a while. It yeah, took a while to get the confidence that. up.
0: That's so, a great so the, reason to get fired. So the...
1: You were fired for touching his
4: guitar. <laughs> That's exactly right. I don't wanna, it's not that I played it so well. <laughs> He's
1: like, you need your own band, it's because you touched his guitar. <laughs>
4: yeah, you need your own band now because you need to play your own guitar and leave mine alone. But uh, I will always uh, remember WC with respect and honor and gratitude because I stole most of the licks I know from either stolen from him. Or we had a, a residency at Antone's back when it was on Waddle And um, if Frosty was out with Delbert, well, Chris might come play drums. And at the end of the night, Chris Steve, Layton. Yeah, yeah. Whipper and uh, Stevie Ray might come in and play the last set. So I'm sitting a foot away from Stevie Ray Vaughn. Wow. And the first time that happened, I made an idiot of myself. He says... Uh, things I used to do in A flat. And I looked at his hand, he's playing an A major chord. And I said, do you mean A major? Ooh. <laughs> I, I didn't know that he tuned his guitar down at half step. So, I bet you do now. <laughs> and he looked at me like, you idiot. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, later on I was able to redeem myself, but... Uh, you know, oh,
0: what a, a master
4: class with all of these musicians. Well, it was, you know, not not just the locals. You know, the I think we played Thursdays. And the guys from Chicago, like Hubert mm. Sumlin, would come in. And they'd go to Clifford's office, Clifford Antone,
3: mm.
4: and become mildly amphibious and want to jam. So I got the <laughs> opportunity to play with all these old, oh, all well. my heroes. <laughs> yeah. And the best place to hear a guitar player is sitting next to him on stage. So, um, you know, that's, that's mm. you ask how I got into the blues. That was Yeah. The,
0: well, the whole the way you describe your whole <laughs> education um, is utterly unique. I mean, when I, I was also interested, because I know zip, zilch, nada about electronic music. And your description of how you got into that and and to the North Texas State program, you didn't even have a high school diploma at that point, right? That's true. Okay. So how did you finagle, finesse, bamboozle? um, How did you get into that?
4: Brock is your editor's name, right? Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> heads no, up. He, he, is a, he is now our executive
1: producer. Okay. Yeah. Heads up, our Brock. Our
0: senior executive
2: producer.
1: <laughs> so we don't have to pay him.
4: <laughs> a title is worth so much. Yeah. I suspect this will be heavily edited, but we'll just do it. Nope. I mean, I, That's our motto. <laughs> um, Apologize later. 1973, I'm in Houston. I just got fired from my band. I'm homeless. I don't have a car. I have a Hammond organ, a Leslie, a Fender Rose piano, a Telecaster, an amplifier, and again, no car. And um, <laughs> which is wait, which
0: is death for a musician. But right. wait, there's
1: there's a theme here going on. <laughs> How many times have you been fired from bands? Yeah.
4: <laughs> All That's
0: of them. that thought. <laughs> <laughs> Until I started
4: having my own bands, it was pretty regular. See,
0: He was right, wasn't he? Go get your own band. That way, you won't be fired.
4: So, so in July in Houston. <laughs> And my good friend, Alan McGinty, who is still my good friend, we had just met, and he, he was letting me sleep on his couch in Houston.
1: And he's still sleeping on his couch. <laughs> and I, I'll sleep on his
4: couch tonight, actually. In the night, I got thirsty, and I went to his refrigerator, and there was a mason jar full of tea, which I drank. Oh, dear. Turns out it was condensed mushroom tea. And I had one of those, how are we doing? How's our life going? <laughs> Um, trips and walked to the Greyhound bus station, took the Greyhound bus back to Livingston, Texas, where my family's from, walked up to my dad's house as he's having coffee and said, dad, I think I need to go to college. And he says, no, son, you need to get a job. Mm. So a year later on the strength of decent SAT scores. And, uh, I did a private piano audition with the head of the music department they let me in. Um, what's it called? Where if you screw up, they send you home. Probation. <laughs> probation.
0: Why were you so quick to respond to that? Right? I I'm may still, or may
1: not have been on probation. I'm still struggling
0: to find the word. And boy, but, you two but, are bonding, right? But not there. in college.
4: <laughs> so anyway, there I was, and um, of course I didn't want to go home, so I made good grades. Mm. And um, Lyle, Mays, I love your
0: motivation system. It's awesome. <laughs>
4: pain <laughs> mm. anyway th- there were people there who could actually play i couldn't
0: i doubt that i've heard you today but w-
4: well lyle mays went on to play in the pat metheny group oh, Pat Coils, yeah. wow one of the top session guys in la i mean these are people that have been having private lessons with top call jazz guys mm. their whole lives and i've been playing last date on spencer highway <laughs>
0: <laughs> boom Boom, 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 boom.
4: Yeah, that's the one.
0: (laughs) We love Floyd, though.
4: So what am I going to do? Well, I I discovered the electronic (laughs) music department and became a composition major.
0: But did you know anything about electronic music?
4: I knew that they had a Moog synthesizer in that room, and I wanted to bond Mm. with that Moog synthesizer in the worst way <laughs> but yeah and then you know i just had to educate myself you know what is this all about and i got into stockhausen and the the berlin school and mm. music concrete and then um
0: you're a closet academic aren't you
4: yes yeah, yeah i'll answer that for you <laughs> yeah because i also
0: know that at one point in your life you had to choose between becoming a music professor and all of this, and then something else came up. But I want to hear the rest of the story.
4: Well, I mean, that's You hide it
0: well, but I know that part of you, so...
4: Well, and, you know, so I did really well there at North Texas State, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to go ahead and get into their grad program. The fact that I hadn't graduated yet didn't seem to matter to me, because I'd already done all of this I could do. I was ready for the next level. And that
0: is a spectacularly well-known
4: good music program, that
0: whole department, yeah.
4: So I went to... um, dr ellis and i said, i want to be in your program and he had one of the students off stage hit a key on the piano what note is that which is a stupidest question you can ask an electronic musician we're not dealing with melody we're not dealing with tonality mm-hmm. you know we're dealing with soundscapes and but anyway i don't have perfect pitch i guessed and was wrong he said nope so i sent an audition tape to on
0: bar- one note you were disqualified from your program
4: exactly Wow. It was a tough world out there. Yeah. But I sent an audition tape to the guy running the University of Texas program, and he's like, heck yeah, come on. So... um, Did he know of you, or had you ever met him? Nope. He just heard my audition tape, and I was like, I don't have a high school diploma, and I haven't graduated from college. He's like, well, fine, you're in in grad school now. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and that that was where I... um, You know, got to hang out with Morton Subotnick, And, um, you know, he and I did some shows together in Austin.
0: How much of that electronic music is still a part of what you do? Or is it inseparable from what you do?
4: Back then, uh, it's absolutely essential to getting where I am now. Because back then, it was very primitive. And we had to learn about signal flow and recording and mixing and later on when I opened my recording studio that was just handy dandy information to have and now you know like uh, my new album you know I engineered it I produced it I mastered it
0: which is a great skill set to have in a pandemic <laughs>
4: yeah <laughs> well you
0: can't do and anything
1: with else. that with that I mean I just you know like I, I've known Pat for literally half my life. And so I, there's so many stories, but that's somewhere that I don't know. I'd, I'd like to go and is talk more about your days in Houston when you had your studio and mm. the, it's, I just, I, I had a photo shoot with Billy Gibbons in Houston. Got what was that? 12 years ago. Huh. And we, we literally had the opportunity to, we, we were with Billy for about 12 hours mm. And we met him at about eleven in the morning and I think we left at midnight.
0: And survived together.
1: <laughs> and but it's I and I took Pat with me because I needed, you know, and I knew Pat, you know, I mean, he's they ran in the same circles. And for something like that, you need somebody that's gonna be professional. Mm-hmm. And we and it that probably would have been a two hour day if I had just gone by myself. I'd done some shoots and hung out and got it and left but they got this bond and talking about their days in Houston and the studios and everybody that they knew. And it just turned it, we, you know, we went to lunch and we're drinking, you know, he's got his own tequila brands. We go to lunch and we're drinking tequila. Then we go to dinner and we're drinking his tequila and they're just telling all these stories. And so it was, yeah. So that's where I'd, I'd like to segue into yeah. with, you know, your, still your, still Houston, sure your, your Houston, your, your Houston days and your studio days.
4: Well, that was, um, at the very beginning of digital recording, back then we had ADATs that worked off VHS tapes and you could record eight tracks. And I was the first studio in Houston. I found a warehouse and um, <laughs> ordered it from Sweetwater Sound and hey, got my candy. Let's give a shout oh, really? out to Sweetwater.
2: <laughs> or maybe he
4: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and to Ted Hunter, my personal Sweetwater guy, and candy. Yeah,
0: yes, we love Sweetwater, actually.
4: So back then, a uh, recording um, deck might, you know, a reel-to-reel tape recorder, 24-track, might cost $80,000, you know, and the console, you know, those seven- and eight-foot-long consoles would cost about the same. You had to be a rich man to open a recording studio. Well, these ADATs were only $3,000 a piece. So I put together and begged my father and called in favors and sold stuff. And I opened up the first digital recording studio mm-hmm. in Houston. And they're charging 80 to $120 an hour. I'm charging $35 an hour because uh, I could live on that. And I could also uh, be around musicians and make good music. And you know, it just it worked for me. And that's where I produced hundreds and hundreds of... Mm-hmm. Of records, and um, luckily I'd had that time at um, the Electronic Music Labs because I did not have a clue. I had never engineered anything before then, so I wired it all up, and here we come, and we started making records.
0: That's great. You did hundreds,
4: you said. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and the the punchline back to the Billy Gibbons thing. This is before ZZ Top mm-hmm. had their own studio. I think they were recording with digital services. And um, Gary Moon, who's been working with Billy, you know, for decades and decades, um, needed a job. So I hired Gary Moon to be my engineer. Hmm. And um, one of the smartest things I ever did, I, I recommend hiring people that know more than you do. So I learned a whole lot from him. And he got the idea to set up Billy's studio for my studio. Hmm. And the other Billy connection is I produced Joey Long's last album. And Joey was a huge star in the 50s, played on all those early Huey Moe records out of Houston. And uh, I think he played with Barbara Lynn on some records. And he and Billy were best friends, you know, that— uh, uh, got a blues man in the front and a beautician in the back, <laughs> or however <laughs> it went. The blues man is Joey Long, and the beautician was his wife.
2: Uh-huh.
4: <clears throat> so Billy and I were able to bond on Joey. He was uh, unfortunately a heroin addict, and I never was able to finish his last album, but um, you know, he had great stories, and it gave me something to talk to Billy about, too. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: and let's just not... Be remiss that you are using a Rupert Neve Design Billy Gibbons brand mic, mm. and that is just for you. So, this extra special,
4: but, but you, can't you. you can't take it with you. You can't, take it with you.
0: You know, I'm bad. barely done. it's on loan from Rupert Neve design,
4: yeah, I'm nationwide. <laughs>
0: Wow. So is there anything you haven't done musically that you'd like to try?
4: Make money. (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder what that would be like.
0: We have a friend here in town that sent a thing around Facebook a couple of months ago. He was a musician. He says, you know, I added up all the shows that got canceled and the money I would have made. And I realized that I made $245 by not being on the
4: tour. (laughs) I wish that was funny. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess because I'm not a touring musician. <laughs>
0: wow. All right, we've talked about blues. We've talked about electronic music. You slip something in every now and then about you did a lot of work with um, meditative, I don't even what's what's the? Binaural le- beats. The what?
1: The binaural beats.
0: Binaural beats? Is that where you're going? I, the meditation music, the mm-hmm. new age soothing. I'm gonna go in a coma if I don't change this track pretty soon. But I feel <laughs> really good right now, kind of music. that just that just feels like a head spin to me from the blues and um, electronic music. So,
4: can well, I don't I don't guess? want to go too far down that road, but I yeah. will say that that was the only time I ever made any real money with music. <laughs> you know,
0: what? that would not have been my guess. Zen music, you know. <laughs> well,
4: it, it was during that time, and uh, I hooked up with a celebrity. Wow. And he had a huge following. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, to be honest, that's why we made the money is mm. that, you know, at that point, they would have bought anything <laughs> from him, and this is what he was selling. Mm. And um, I engineered and produced these uh, new age things. It was more affirmations. It wasn't like singing or any of that stuff. It was all spoken word. Mm-hmm. And some of it was subliminal, mm-hmm. you know, so you couldn't even hear it. But um, how long did I do that? Four years, five years? Yeah, about. And, you know, that, that led to a career in internet marketing, which led mm-hmm. to putting on seminars in San Antonio, and Houston, and a coaching program, and it's the only time in my life I ever made any money.
0: How do you know if something is subliminal? How do you know (laughs) that somebody else is hearing something that is not supposed to be heard? You don't. You don't, (laughs) and that's how you make the ka-ching, ka-ching, right?
1: (laughs) That's what happened to me. I was listening to Motley Crue when I was 14.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we can move right along from that. Yeah. Are we ready to turn to Terlingua?
1: Um, I'm trying to think if there was Yeah, I guess.
0: I guess yeah, cuz yeah, that's yeah, I a pretty so. important chapter, yeah. I think. When I met you Pat at Rodney Base Basecamp <laughs> Gallery, you have a website, right? Or yes. a Facebook thing.
1: Well, yeah, well, all of the above. Okay, but right now they're still in the um, beginning phases, the design stage. Okay, but just
0: look up. Rodney. But they're they're okay. live. They're okay. there, which is the happening place. But that's where I met you, which mm-hmm. I'm delighted to say, and we had our first great conversation. And you said, "Oh, I live in Turlingua. Well, Rodney and I were talking about that. That is like a a mental magnet to anybody that lives in Texas. Well, <laughs> let
1: me let me tell my my version okay. of this story.
0: Okay, and you haven't even heard mine. But let's hear Rodney's. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Because Pat, Pat, my—I don't know where he'll go with it, but
0: <laughs> that's the best part, isn't it?
1: I—I I don't remember why you were wanting to move there. I, I guess it's just wanting to get away. No court it, records can say that. Yeah. But we don't have to go there. There might be, <laughs> but
4: I had a contract. He's to, not smiling. Maybe the court yeah. records came
0: a little too close to home.
4: No, I—I I, I was uh, writing books, and I had um, a substantial advance. And Jesus, I,
0: how did I miss that?
4: Because I carefully edited out of my bio. I
0: want to put you on my show with all my friends that are authors. No, no you don't.
4: But uh, the point being, I, I had to get this book out and I needed mm-hmm. a place to get away from the kids and the yeah. noise and all that. Yeah. So uh, that was my motivation. But I'll turn it back over to Rodney now.
2: Yeah, he. Okay. Yeah,
1: so yeah, I don't remember exactly. I, so I don't, I, guess I don't even remember that part of the story. But all I know is he was wanting to move to Trilingua. And he found was it five acres? He found five acres with a cabin with a well, which in, is huge in Texas, in, yeah. in Terlingua, and yeah,
0: particularly in West Texas, <laughs> is
1: is worth a, a bazillion dollars. And you you found this property on eBay, and it was what twenty thousand
4: dollars? No, more than that. Well, not but, much. But you left out the adjective. I was drunk on eBay. <laughs> well, isn't everybody drunk on eBay? <laughs> eBay and a Amazon. Song. I want to write it. There's a
3: song. Red wine.
1: <laughs> so yeah, he he finds this screaming deal out in the middle of nowhere in Turlingua, at the cabin, and he he buys it, and he goes out and looks at it, and comes back and says, because at the time, or I, I, I actually I think I was done, but I you know I built houses in my mm-hmm. past life and so he wanted me to come look at it and give my opinion on what to do with this so he we go out and you're driving and i mean there's nothing for miles but it's <laughs> and you get up and it's this little <laughs> bitty shack right in the middle of the, and i'm looking at it he goes what would you do and i said tear it down <laughs> <laughs> and you know, everybody's always looking for that affirmation is like you know agree with me and I didn't give it to him but so he didn't take my advice <laughs> you and didn't he didn't
0: tear it down <laughs>
2: he
1: he probably spent twice as much repairing uh, it <laughs> as it would yeah. have cost to to wow. rebuild it but um and then there's the whole well incident which is it's really not a well it just ended up being a hole in the ground
0: like a lot of so-called septic systems <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh didn't mean to go so, there. But. Oh, but yeah so he he um uh, okay. he he ended up out and how long has oh. it been now
4: we moved there permanently in 2013. Somebody
0: what? moved with you. Oh,
4: yeah, <laughs> my uh, yeah, my wife. Oh my
0: goodness, let's get the saints and be nodding out now. And they're still together. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, but, but I think it was
4: 07 when you told me to tear it down. So, mm-hmm. so when you say you
0: moved out there like full time, mm-hmm. now those of you that are going to go into pato'brien and the very last paragraph of what your last posting or it was the way you described it you're three miles first of all you're in Turlingua so to speak which is nowhere and you're actually, three actually I
1: think he's on the outskirts of Turlingua yeah. I'm,
4: I'm 24 miles north of
3: Turlingua oh my god <laughs>
0: three miles off of paved road mm-hmm. and during the pandemic he still got Amazon Costco and Fresh Veggies Delivered he, by UPS at his place. Okay,
1: so from what we've described, where he is, if you can get this picture of it, he has better internet than I do here in Winnipeg. Oh,
0: well, that's not hard, but good for you. Really?
4: And during the uh, but no cell Oh, yeah. everybody else is freezing all over Texas. My solar panels work just fine.
0: Oh my God. You really, you describe it as being your off the grid.
4: He's 100% off grid. Oh my
0: God. Except for UPS and fresh veggies. I mean, that's (laughs) got to not count for something.
4: Well, they come to me. I I really appreciate it.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. We can't even get our deliveries on time here. But that's quite. I mean, let's look at let's look at, back up. Let's take the big camera angle, like you know, Gone with the Wind and the Battle of Scene and Scarlett's looking at a gazillion dead soldiers. Take that camera angle. So you have been, you were touring in Europe for five years. You've been with all of these incredible musicians from all across the country, if not the world, and you're doing these CDs. And all of a sudden, you are twenty-four miles. I can't even conceive of what 24 miles from (laughs) turtle looks like because there's nothing and yet you seem well this may be a stretch rational insane but definitely (laughs) but definitely he's nodding his head yeah
4: yeah that's
3: right i'm shaking my
0: head (laughs) we should have been able to hear the rattle there
4: (laughs) i'm i'm blocking your flow here no i i can't really plead innocent to that but you stay there
0: I mean, you're here in, in Wimberley off and on, right? Mm-hmm. Do you still have a property here in Wimberley? That, no,
4: we're, we're looking for some place. Oh, I can help you with
0: that. Offline, edit, rock. Okay.
4: Mm, yeah, we <laughs> shall talk. Yes. Um, because we have kids and grandkids yeah. here. Yeah. And my wife seems to have some. Who somebody.
0: are playing loud video games and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, but that's what grandkids do. She's got yeah.
4: some attraction to this that yeah. I'm not sure I understand. But yeah. I like my wife, so if she wants to be here some of the time, we'll be here some of the time
0: and she must like you if she was part of the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good on you
4: <laughs> she she is a saint i'll go on record mm-hmm. and absolutely putting up with me mm. <laughs> but it's been
0: well let me ask you so you've been interlingua since 2007 roughly
4: full-time 2013
0: okay well that's still a heck of a long time to be there full-time If you were to move back to Wimberley full-time when someplace, when you move back to Wimberley him back. we're bringing (laughs) him back, when you think about your life in Terlingua uh, and that space, what would you miss?
4: Well, what I miss even now is the fact that the town I moved to is gone. I mean... There's no town where you live. You're 24
0: miles from a town. (laughs) Well, I know,
4: but Terralingua, I mean, it's just down the road, you know. And um, (laughs) there's probably 200 Airbnbs between Studi Butte and Terralingua. The ghost town is now.
1: No longer a ghost town. Yeah, it's totally
4: developed. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. The little apartments behind the Starlight Theater that were $50 a month and they paid the water are now $150 a night. You know, we have this tremendous tourist influx. At mm. The National Park, their attendance goes up 20% a year compound, you know. And a lot of people are moving there. Uh, when Rodney was there, you could, from my property, you could look in all directions and see nothing.
0: Except the stars, I hear. Right?
4: The stars are pretty cool. Mm. And nine Point Mesa is what I'm going to lead up to. That's mm. what I will miss the oh. most, yeah. And why I will never sell my property. But in the evening when the sun is reflecting back off all the new roofs, Mm. the metal roofs, Mm -hmm. there's about 50 that I can see from my front Mm. porch now. And you couldn't see anything? None.
1: Yeah, in the beginning, it was the most magical place. You're in the middle of nothing, and it's Mm -hmm. so quiet. And that that was the weirdest thing for me, because when we went, I think we stayed there two days. And they're, they're just, there's not a sound. And I remember we, you know, and he had an old Volvo, and those, they're just soundproof. Yeah. And we're driving back, and as we got close to San Antonio and stopped to get gas, and you open up the door, and all the
4: noise comes in, you're going, oh, uh, God. <laughs> it's
0: a real assault, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. I've missed my moment, because I have never been there.
4: It's still worth going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the uh, Big Bend National Park, and Big yeah. Bend State. Big Bend Ranch State Park Mm -hmm. are just amazing. Mm -hmm. But now you might have to wait two hours to get into the national park. Really? Mm Because they have to wait till someone leaves, someone else.
0: So they control at least the Mm -hmm. flow of human traffic there.
4: Yeah, but if you told me, you know, 20. 13, that that was going to be the case, I would have laughed at you. It's no way. Yeah. No way. Because
0: that's not that long ago. I mean, it's not even eight years. So Tell me
4: about it. It happened overnight. Poof. Yeah. I would like
0: to be sure that we don't miss the opportunity to talk about your last CD that you did during the pandemic and how you did it. And we were just kind of laughing. It called Boomer's Last Stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, don't call me Garen. You know, that kind of thing. And I spent sometime last night and today listening to the different cuts. And first of all, I'd like for you to tell the listeners how you do that in a pandemic, which many of our musician friends have been describing to us in, in various ways. And then there are, there are two songs in particular that I would like to talk to you about. And also, we want to be sure that we help people find his music and download it and buy the CDs. So how did Boomer's Last Stand come about? And you had an amazing cast on that album of uh, world-class musicians, including yourself. So,
4: <laughs> Well, it could only have been made during a pandemic. My drummer lives in Brescia, Italy, and he's only my drummer some of the time. He has a band called Super Down Home, who has signed with Dixie Frog Records out of Paris, and they're now their career is just. whoosh. But that happened after my album was released, and he was sitting in Brescia with very little to do. And I'm like, I did a demo of some of these songs in my little home studio, and I said, "Hey, Bette, what do you think of these?" He says, "Do you want drums on them?" I'm like, "Do yeah, I do I yeah. do I." Right? <laughs> so um, he's got uh, access to I think it's called Monolith Studios in Brescia. That's a real world-class studio. Mm. So I sent files to the engineer there, and Beppe went in, and they sent me back 18 tracks of drums per song.
2: Oh, my
3: goodness.
4: And he's got this gorgeous vintage kid, and he's a really good drummer. And I met him because he was playing with Elizabeth Lee. And when she and I met up in Erfurt, Germany one day, her band and we just all hung out together and jammed, and Beppe and I just got along great. I'm move, moving my hands here. Can y'all see this on the hand? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I, <clears throat> we so, can hear it.
4: <laughs> so anyway, Be- Beppe and I stayed in touch and they, his band named their last album after a line out of one of my songs. Which was? Get My Demons Straight oh. from a very obscure mm-hmm. song called Mystery Wind wow. that Beppe liked. I well, love uh, both of those mm-hmm.
0: titles. You just breezed by us, so mm-hmm. to speak.
4: So anyway, he contacted me and said, can we use this as our album title? I'm like, yeah, sure. And, Then we started talking, and then he heard the demos, and he played drums. and The tracks came back, and they were phenomenal. Who else is on there? Elizabeth Lee is on there, and uh, I had her sing lead on one song, and she sang background on two songs because she can really sing.
0: Yeah, Carolyn.
4: Carolyn Wonderland, who I my
0: goddess, musical goddess. Yeah,
4: I've known Carolyn since she was sixteen, I think, (laughs) and um, we stay in touch. You know, we we've played hundreds of gigs together when she was first starting out. I played bass for her.
0: Now she's uh, like a lead guitarist. Did she sing at all on that or was it the lead guitar piece that she On did? my
4: album, she only played guitar.
0: Because
4: mm. she can really sing too. Huh? Yeah.
0: I heard her at Fisher House, Fisher Hall, yeah. whatever, for the first time ever.
4: And I was like, who is this woman? I'm in love. Yeah. She could sing like that when she was 16 oh. too. It mm. was the scariest thing. And I am so proud of her. She's done Mm. so good.
3: Yeah.
4: But she, I mean, it's strictly a favor to me. I mean, she's in John Mayall's band. (laughs) You know, she's got uh, some great things happening with her career. I don't think she's talking about yet, Mm. so I won't say it. But but during the pandemic, she had the time to do it. So as a favor to me, she played guitar on my album, which is a, a huge thing because radio programmers know her name, even if they don't know mine. So it's been very useful in terms of getting my music out.
0: Yeah. What struck me about listening to that album, and all all good albums, one should be able to say this about, was just simply the range of styles and how it affected me personally. And um, the two that I particularly, oh, She Looks Just Like You. Mm-hmm. Is that? Can we talk about that, or should we move on to the second one? Yeah.
4: <laughs> That—that's the and one the, Carolyn played on.
0: Well, I mean the whole yes, and the whole concept is just brilliant and fabulous. So, how did that song come about? If you want to share, not one moment.
4: Well, I, I have a sick sense of humor, <laughs> and. Let's
0: Um, call it sophisticated and well-owned.
4: The the way all these songs were written is I'm Mm -hmm. in my studio and I'll put like a drum track down on the computer and maybe some sort of sketch of a piano part just to figure out Mm
2: -hmm.
4: how the song's going to go. And then I'll listen back and go, what is this song about? Exactly. And I'll just try to catch something out of the air, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And um, the line, that ain't cheating, came up. And I'm like, okay, what is our narrative here? How do we get Mm -hmm. there? You know, it's like, I've got the punchline. What's the setup? And so um, that's the whole conceit of the song is that if you're um, cheating on your wife with a woman who looks just like your wife, that's not cheating.
0: (laughs) 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 However, she looks just like you.
4: (laughs) Well, and I I cheat in in the last verse and I, I finish in the dark.
3: I say, honey, on my life, you look exactly like my wife. She smiled, she took off her hat, she said, you know, they all say that. She looked just like you. She dressed just like you. She smiled just like you. They
0: and, you know, Lucinda Williams was the one that I was talking about songwriting. She says, you know, the songs are just flying around in the world. And sometimes you put up your catcher's mitt mm-hmm. and you catch one. And that sounds like, you know, what happened to you. But I love that. Of course, Carolyn's, you know, incredible guitar work is just mesmerizing. Then I got uh, whiplashed and torqued into In My Arms Again. And here are the notes I make, because I wrote notes. This is how I listened to an album from beginning to finish. It was gorgeous, soulful ballad. Makes me want to grab the closest person and head to the dance floor, close my eyes, and just get lost in the words and the rhythm. Take it from there. Mm. (laughs) Oh, you can use that on your, you know, as a blurb if you want to. I I want you to forward that to me. I I will. I I want that on my website. I will, because Rodney knows, I mean, the way I experience music and listen to it. And this was the first time I had heard all these songs and then to hear them together. But that one, it was like, Oh yeah. Okay. What am I? Ooh, this is what I'm feeling about that.
4: Well, I'm sure the fact that I was, um, I spent 15 months alone in a 500 square foot cabin with my wife (laughs) (laughs) had something to do with it. Let's hope so. (laughs) And had nothing to do with the other song you were talking about. But again, it's, you know, I can't say that there was some master plan. You know, it's not like I set out to write that song. I came up with what I thought was a really cool chord progression. Mm-hmm. You know, um, bouncing off the major six to get to the minor two, which is a pretty, uh, pretty non intuitive way to do it. Not
0: intuitively, yeah, yeah.
4: but works well, it's <laughs> in a five, this song. It's a five of the two, but still. Yeah. Anyway, I came up with a chord progression I really liked. Then I knew it had to have a hook, and the hook I came up with putting the catcher's mitt up in the air was in my arms again. Mm -hmm. But that stuff about, you know, we're both strong people and, you know, it's like we don't back down easily. Either one of us, Mm -hmm. there's some autobiography in that.
0: Well, and the thing as a very immature fledgling songwriter I can think it's a hook, but you don't know if it's a hook until you know it's hooked. People are hooked by it. So that's a great phrase to write a song around and put the catcher's mitt up, but I'm telling you as a listener, I'm hooked by that, just the words, the construct, the music behind it. So well
4: done, Pat O'Brien. One more thing I want to add, two things I want to add. First of all, I got a glowing review in an American Blues magazine, mm. and the writers, the sentence that stuck with me was, "Pat O'Brien does not have a beautiful voice,"
2: mm-hmm.
4: and but well, <laughs> and, and then he goes on to say that I don't try to stretch outside of my range.
0: I read that review, yeah. But
4: um, as an engineer and producer, that song was a horrible temptation to mm. me because I've got Auto Tune, <laughs> and I could have made the blessing all of
0: those, and the curse, yeah.
4: All of those out-of-tune vocal notes, mm-hmm. I could have fixed them. And I decided not to let it out there. I thought that the flat notes and all of that. Are so honest. It, yeah. it fit the song.
0: Yeah. You know. Just think if Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and had auto-tune when they were doing their early stuff. I think,
1: I think if Tom I Waits a, had auto-tune, the auto-tune would have gone, <laughs> sorry, does <just> not recognize.
0: <laughs> I would have been a fan earlier than I am now. I actually walked out of the first Tom Waits concert I ever heard in 1975. I'm like, who said this guy could sing? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the rawness of that and the authenticity of that is is—it's just the perfect match for the song itself, so...
4: And let's give a shout-out to Chase, Dr. Chase Peeler. Yes, who I saw that.
0: Who was getting doing his doctorate when he was doing some gig somewhere. What, he what does he have a doctorate? doctoral
4: thesis on um, Terralingua music.
0: Man, I didn't have time to look him up, but he's on my list because I was really intrigued by that.
4: And he's another one. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Oh,
0: well, Brock, just put a bracket around Mm -hmm. this. We may or may not use it.
4: The uh, the, uh, thesis he did is going to be taken to another level and be available to you in another format oh
0: hopefully it's broadway off broadway um uh, oh i just said something i wasn't supposed to say right no no no. he's
4: oh he's shaking his head
0: (laughs) 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 all right we won't we won't guess anymore but i will certainly look him up and look for that get on his list or something. but he sure
4: played the saxophone well on that song oh yeah that's a that's just a wonderful song and we haven't mentioned larry cheney
1: well we have but we haven't Gone, yeah. Do, I think do, I think we've mentioned the we name, to? but nobody knows who Larry is from our conversation. So,
4: so he he played guitar on uh, the song that Elizabeth Lee sings.
1: Yeah, Larry is an amazing guitar player. He, he's Edwin McCain's guitar player. Is he local? He's in Dripping, and so
0: yeah. But, and you know him?
1: Yeah. Well, we all do. Yeah. That, well, that was our circle. But and we can Larry, him on our podcast. Larry. Larry is responsible for me shooting my very first album cover.
0: Can we just off-road just a little bit and hear about that? Because your your photography is amazing. Can you give us a short version of that?
1: Short version is
0: Larry was responsible. It, Larry, for was, <laughs> Larry
1: was Larry was me I just told you the okay. short version. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, it, Larry was you know married to Elizabeth at the time, and after that shoot that I did for Elizabeth, he he called me up one day and he said Edwin wants pictures of my guitars. For his next album cover, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and he lived at the time they were 30 seconds down the road. I said, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> so I drive down the road and he went, it, the album was called Scream and Whisper. He wanted, Ooh. they they wanted a picture of his electric guitar and his acoustic guitar oh, for the brilliant. Scream and Whisper. Yeah. So I took a picture of his acoustic and his electric and gave it to Larry. He sent it to the guy in New York. And a month later, I've got my first album cover. Wow. And I went, how did that happen? That
0: was too easy. It's not supposed to be that yeah. easy. Right? And, the, and this was
1: this was back when they still had record stores. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think I was in L.A. when it came out. And I heard wow. the release date and I, I went to Tower Records. And there it was. And there it was. Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> so so like, this is how it works, if I'm lucky. And I am. Because I'm riding Brazil. And then, Space Pat, Camp Gallery. then Pat O'Brien
1: calls me to shoot his best of album wow. cover and we went to Threadgills which is iconic, where Armadillo and, used yes. to be and, and now Threadgills is no longer and now Threadgills oh. is gone so that's, and this is
0: an Austin an iconic yeah. Austin vintage Austin yeah
1: yeah so yeah we uh, we I think I, I think we're we're approaching an end here because hmm. uh, but we we need to we're gonna have Pat on many more times because well, there's there's so many there's stories, so many and, stories.
0: I can just turn you guys loose and go have another glass of wine. Oh wait, I've been <laughs> doing that all along. Um, but what I love, I mean, what what makes today so special, Pat, is first of all having this kind of time. Nobody's bugging us. We finally got all the sound to work. Um, we know you're heading back to language to. To, 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 to. <laughs>
1: that's you, you want glass another point. glass? No, no, two, that's a tongue twister. Two
0: terlingua. Um and our very first podcast in the new studio, we get to do live with you in the studio. And Ronnie and I do not take that for granted. I mean, we have done interviews in Kenya and Hawaii and the Bahamas and all over, and they've been fabulous, but having Having our people here with us is is just adds a whole layer of magic, and I'm so happy that you're the first one, and we got to have this, more than we anticipated, time with you yeah. today.
4: Well, and, and you can have Brock sample the sound of me shaking my head.
0: <laughs> and Brock will get that, actually. You've met him now. Well, this has been a real treat.
1: And and if you want more, he'll be at Base Camp quite often, so you yes. can come and hang out. And tell
0: us where Base Camp Gallery in Wimberley, Texas is located. We
1: are on 220 Old Kyle Road. Yeah, and look for the
0: teepee.
1: And yeah, look for the teepee. It mm-hmm. is uh, kind of catty corner across the street from Community Pizza. And if mm-hmm. you don't know where Community Pizza is, ask anybody and <laughs> they, they will know. tell you where to go. But. Actually, I, I think you can just pull into town and ask where Base Camp is now, and
0: they'll tell you. So. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen any place catch on as quick as this. Well, clearly, we've proved this last couple of hours. <laughs> we can talk endlessly with you, and you will be back. So.
4: Well, thank you all so much.
0: It's just been a pleasure. And we also would be remiss if we did not thank our lovely friends and sponsors at Rupert Neve Design. You are benefiting, Pat, from one of their microphones, the Billy Gibbons edition of the microphone. They were so generous in supporting our podcast from the first day. So thank you, Rupert Neve Designs. And we always give a little, a little nod of the head and a touch of the heart to remember Rupert Neves. And of course, you've probably heard us mention this name, what, 20 times? Brock. Glenn Thomas, who is our
1: savior. savior. Thank you. <laughs> Enough said. Brock, you know
0: what we mean by that. And we also want to thank Donovan Frankenreiter for our intro and our outro music and we want to talk to you maybe we could do those two songs that i mentioned from your cd because um, we like to play you know he's nodding his head please um, yeah. and one of the things we love is having the original artist who can say yes you can do this so we'll find a place to insert those um in the, the podcast because we want to be sure that people know how to find you and your music and we talked a lot about your music but we want them to hear it so um, until next time this is Chick Morgan and Rodney Bursil and saying thank you for listening and being a part of our Passports and Poetry family so until next time it's a
3: time of beginnings old. it's dark as night I was standing alone when you walked into the light And I had eyes for you only See, I'd almost died from lonely. But from our first kiss, I knew that it was right And it hasn't been easy We're both strong, slow to give in to spin in my arms There were others before you Sweet temptation Dancing and wine There were At the time, and it hasn't been easy. We're both strong, slow to give in compromising. E